Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Big sales on the show. Will we grow on you like a foot fungus? Even Tone tells you that. <laughs> Happy Friday to you. All right, you ready? Dude, I'm, hey, 34 days until training camp. Let that sink in. It's here. Let that sink in. 34 days until the official start of the NFL season. When teams show up to training camp, I think there's a couple teams that show up a little earlier. As I said yesterday, because of the Hall of Fame game, um, we're here, dude. After next week, it's here. I still think Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, still has one more opportunity, okay, to make another move. And we know he's going to, okay? We know he's going to. He did it a year ago. And by the way, think about what he did. Do you remember what he did? Tone, correct me if I'm wrong. He failed when he first initially brought a guy in from San Francisco because he was looking for a dude to play in the safety spot, right? That guy from San Francisco never really panned out to do shit. They didn't really like what he brought to the table. And then all of a sudden he goes out nine days before the start of the season. He goes out and finds Gardner Johnson. And it was a complete grand slam. Yeah, that's right. That tart kid who turned out to be a nothing burger. Remember something, man. Nobody gives a shit about moves like that. But you know what he wasn't? He wasn't frightened away from making a move. We got to get a guy in here. So what does he do? Can I, I'm going to say it one more time to you. One of the absolutely greatest things that that guy does is that he looks at your roster and he doesn't look at the top guys. He looks under the label of underutilized guys, underpaid guys. He almost like plays, let's say it, money ball. The moves he, hey, how much money, let's do this. If Hassan Reddick was on the open market right now, how many teams do you think would pay $15 million for him to come rush the passer for them? 30? I guarantee you this. Hassan Reddick ain't making $15 million on the open market. That's a 20 that's a $20 million plus guy now. That's a $20 million plus dude. By the way, Joe Theismann. Former NFL MVP, bottom of the hour. We're going to get his thoughts, the Monday, the former Monday night football analyst as well. We'll talk a little commanders with him. Looks like the sale is going to come up here in a couple weeks here where Josh Harris, the owner of the Sixers, it's going to be official. He's the owner of the commanders. I want to get one of the legendary players' thoughts on all this and what he sees with that commander team. 
And we'll do that with the legendary former MVP at the bottom of the hour, Joe Theismann. I'm looking forward to that, okay? Hey, real quick before we move on to the topics, before we get Joe on, um, I, I want to once again thank the folks at King of Prussia Hooters for this coming fall being the home of the Big Sills show, national football show. We're so looking forward to that. Thank you guys so much for the confidence that you have in us. Um, my relationship of over 35 years with Hooters is second to none. They've always invested in us. You know, I, I, I was taught a lesson a long time ago by John Morgan. And John Morgan said, never invest in the horse, always invest in a jockey. He's right. Horse could be as great as ever, man. He could be one of the greatest thoroughbreds of all time. You ain't got the right jockey on him. Doesn't matter how fast he is. He ain't going anywhere. Always invest in the jockey. So we're thankful that the folks, Phil and everyone, Phil Moran over at the Hooters King of Prussia is now part of the program. So thank you guys very much. We really, really appreciate it. Hey, is, is Niner in here yet? Because, you know, he gives me shit about content. Oh, I got some content for you today, Junior. Jerome, thank you so much, man. And, and, and you know what, Jerome? I wanted a place that we can all get together and down some beers and such. And now we got a place for everyone to come and meet. So we're going to be doing some events there, obviously. So we're going to get a chance to do that. And, and get this. Big Sills may actually be out of the Dan Cave this coming fall. And I may be actually doing some tailgating with you guys. We may have to put some of this together here. Really looking forward to this. I, I, I am. Niner like, hey, dude, I don't, I don't not like Niner. As a matter of fact, there's really very few people in here that I don't like. I mean, look at JM. He gives me more shit than my wife. You kidding me? I love the dude. All you guys that come aboard each and every single day from 3 to 6 Eastern time, we so appreciate you. know that. Okay. Well, but, but wait a minute here. You might not like me after these topics. And as I said, Joe Theismann, bottom of the hour. Okay. Who do you think has a better year this year? If you were to put 100 bucks down, who has a better season this year, Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts? Okay. Who has a better Who has a better year? Let me take a look at this here. Let me see where they are in their careers right now. So Jalen Hurts, twenty four. He'll be twenty five on August seventh. He's three years in the league, going on his fourth year. Second team All Pro in 2022, Pro Bowl in 2022 was an alternate in 2021. Jerome says Jalen all day. Okay. Burt Bell MVP award. There's JM's favorite MVP. Oh, look at JM. Hertz Jackson is switching to a new offense. Let me expand. Jalen Hurts, 7,906. 
You know what? I'm going to say something here that's going to kind of. Does Jalen throw the ball better than Lamar Jackson? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not saying he can't throw the ball, obviously, because I'm going to read his stuff here in a minute. But if I had to pick a guy who's a better thrower of the football right now in their careers, I would say Jalen throws the ball better, wouldn't you? I mean, I would say he throws the ball better than what Lamar Jackson does. Well, here, let me let me get through the rest of this. Jalen's touchdown interception ratios, great. 44 TDs, 19 interceptions. Would you say, Tone? I think Jackson has a bigger arm, but Jalen has a better touch and accuracy. Yeah. I'd, I'd go there. Yeah. That's better put. Yep. I, I agree with him. Passer rating, 92-2. I think that's really good. For a guy who wasn't considered a great passer when he came out of college. I'm talking Jalen here. By the way, your first three years, this is great stuff. And again, this is an observation. This is not more an indictment on anything. But I I, I was curious to think, because there is a new offense now in Baltimore. Jalen's rushed the ball for 1898 in three years. I think that's really good. And he's got 26 rushing touchdowns. That's exceptional. So if you think about it, Jalen's got 60 touchdowns and really two years of starting football. 30 touchdowns, theoretically, two years in a row. I know he got some time in his first year. That's really good, man. 60 TDs. At the end of the day, Who gives a shit how you arrive at the end zone? Nobody cares, really, in a way. Are you scoring touch? Hey, you know know what's funny? If you watch the movie Moneyball, nobody cares about how many runs you score. They care how many times you get on base. Or they care how many times you score, obviously. But getting on base, scoring runs, if you hit 201, who cares? Get on base, score runs. You're an essential part of a baseball team. That's right, Callie Green. It's still six. 60 TDs over really two and a half years, I think is great. I think that's a hell of a ledger. I wanted to line it up next to Lamar's. But I want to show you something, how great Lamar is and how we kind of just dismiss him a little bit. He's 26. He's like a year and a half older than Jalen, which is not a lot. I didn't realize that. Five years going on six. Won the Heisman, all that. And he, he, he he's a young kid. First team all pro, 2019. Two-time pro bowler, 19 and 21. Passing leader, touchdowns, NFL, 2019. That's shocking. Burt Bell, because I got to do it for JM, MVP. Unanimous, most valuable player in the league. 
12,209 in passing yards. His touchdown to interception ratio is spectacular as well. 101 to 38 interceptions. He's got a higher passer rating at 96.7. 4,436 and 24 rushing touchdowns. So in his five years, he's got 125 touchdowns. If you kind of, you know, look at the numbers, they're almost pretty comparable. When you look at what a guy brings to his team. But look at the accomplishments that Lamar has had at such a young, you know, is there a more accomplished player in the NFL than Lamar Jackson outside of Patrick Mahomes? At this young age, under 30. I mean any position. Aaron Donald. This guy's awful accomplished. I think he's going to have a big year. I think, especially, and get this, in a tougher conference... I think Jalen will probably put up some really good numbers this year in a weaker conference. Now, we always have to reel that comment back in because he may still be in a weaker conference, but he does have the toughest schedule in the league. So that's a reel in. You know, I'm actually going to stop using that as an excuse on why Jalen may have a better year because if Jalen was in the NFC and he had a shitty Scheduled like he did a year ago, that's one thing. But he's got the toughest schedule in the league. That has to mean something. That has to that has to be a factor. Okay? Has to be a factor. So who has the better year if you're putting your money? Is it because Jalen has the better team? He is with the toughest schedule in the league. This is not going to be a cakewalk every week like it was last year. And I'm not saying, and, and, and by the way, sometimes I even make my own self throw up in my mouth. Because just because you suck doesn't mean that I have to lower my ability and play down to your level, which the Eagles, I would say 15 of the 17 weeks a year ago, did not do that. Of all the teams in the league last year, they very rarely punched down to their opponent. You know what I mean? Like Dallas. Dallas goes on these swings. One week they look exceptional, and you go, man, they look good. Then the next week they're down here again, and they're wallowing down in the gutter. Then they're going back. Boy, I hate hate that in a human, and I hate that for sure in my football team. I totally do. I think I think Lamar, though, I think he's going to have a really good season this year. Neil, appreciate it. It's Howie's birthday today. I don't wish Gators happy birthday. Sorry, dude. That's off the agenda. I have a ton of stuff that I've written down. That ain't one of them. <laughs> Big Seals doesn't wish anybody from Florida 
and play and, and as part of a Gator program, Big Sills doesn't wish anybody from that school happy birthday. That ain't happening here. You guys can do that shit all you want. He's a Gator. <laughs> and again, man, I think that's got a little bit of the angst for Big Sills when we talk about Howie Roseman. Sills, Howie Roseman, you could have told me he's anything else. He's a no, Sills. Eh, we kicked their shit out of them anyway. Sills, he went to Notre Dame. Eh, you know, I got Joe Theismann coming on at the bottom of the hour. He's an Irish guy. Great goes, damn. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Seals Howie Roseman's a gator. Damn. Now I know I hate him. <laughs> hey, I'm like that movie, man, with Val Kilmer in it when he's the gunslinger. Doc Holliday. Wyatt Earp. You know? Now I know I hate him. <laughs> he reminds me of me. <laughs> he reminds me of me. <laughs> now I know I hate him. <laughs> hey, hey, Howie, I'll be your Huckleberry. <laughs> Ooh, anyway. <laughs> All right, so let's move on here, man. Let's get to the topics here before Joe Theismann jumps on with us. Oh, I can't wait for Niner to get in here, man. We got some really great news on Niner. Oh, God. So Nick Wright went on WIP today. And you know what he said? I'm not sold that Jalen Hurts. We're going to ask Joe Theismann if he thinks he's elite. This guy that won a Super Bowl, an MVP. Okay? Had some great years with the Washington Redskins. Okay? Nick Wright. One of those national dudes. Looking down at the Eagles from 35,000 feet. I'm not sold he's an elite guy yet. Things that Big Sills tells you every day that you guys snap back at me with, I will make this point to you. There's no question. Two out of ten people around the country don't think Jalen Hurts is elite. Or think he's elite, I should say. They don't look at him in the light like these other guys. He's the prime example of that. I, I Hey, technically, to Tone's point, technically, I think it only has to do with this. Now, before you get butthurt, hang on, hang on. Before you get butthurt on this, I'd rather be an underdog. Philadelphia and the fans and the team, you guys wear that jacket with pride. So what? So what people underestimate you? Don't they always? That's who you are. You're not New York. You're not Los Angeles. Act like it. So what? So what if Nick Wright, again, I don't really think he's wrong in a way. And, I'll, and again, and I'll tell you what, I just because Jalen hasn't done it over an extended period of time. It's not because I don't think he's trending there. He just hasn't done it. And, 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 and Nick is not, he's not wrong, but so what? I, I wouldn't, you, would I use that as fuel? 
No, because you know why? He's one of a thousand guys who think that. And he's one of a thousand guys who thinks that about, hey, the only reason, Greg, the only reason that people go to Philly, Boston, Pittsburgh, maybe maybe the 49ers, is to, just to get your blood boiling. Because here, maybe the Cowboys, okay? And at the end of the day, they use your passion against you. Just like your radio stations and your media outlets use it against you in your market. Because you know why? You guys have the strongest reaction to your civic pride teams than any Buffalo too. I would say Buffalo's in that conversation. Okay. Yeah. But Steve, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Steve. So what? At the end of the day, so what? Is he wrong? No, because he can always come back and go, dude, he's, dude, he, he, he's nothing near Lamar Jackson in accomplishments. And they're pretty much the same age. And those, those wins, he's got a lot of wins. You notice I didn't put his wins up either. Yeah, but he got to a Super Bowl. Dude, don't use that as a barometer for Jalen Hurts. Jimmy Garoppolo and Colin Kaepernick got to a Super Bowl. So what? A substitute teacher and Nick Foles got to a, a Super Bowl. You can't use that. You got to look at what a guy does individually. And how his accomplishments carry and help a team. You see, these, get this, these right here mean more than wins. But the truly great ones like Brady and potentially Jalen, they're counter to what those guys look at when they look. You see, guys like Nick Wright look at this. They're not really wrong. But guys like Brady and Jalen go, what's this got to do with winning? Zero. Jalen and Brady are right. You want to hear something crazy? Aaron Rodgers has more most valuable player awards than Tom Brady. Does that really matter? <laughs> Does that matter at the end of the day? Boy, James. Hey, hey, um, Tone. That is the best comment I have ever heard about Jalen Hurts by James Johnson. Tone, that's it right there. That is exactly who Jalen Hurts is. Is there anything being wrong with dominant? Not yet elite. Elite is consistency over extended period of time, in my opinion. That is spectacular of a take. Might be the take of the last two years, James. He's dominant, not yet quite elite. Perfect. That is the definition of Jalen Hurts. I totally will use that, James. Okay, I completely will use that as we move forward into the 2023. Okay, v James, right? 
Very fair. I'll tell you what, James. Not quite elite. He puts another year like that up. Then you do this. He's dominant and elite. Then there's nothing else to debate except now you move to the next one. How long can it last? You see, Jalen now has gone through this progression. Is he good enough to play in the league? Yes. Can he start? Yes. Can he be dominant? Yes. Can he be elite? Yes. How long will it last? Will be the last barrier to jump over. Then you're talking about an all-timer. Look at how many guys don't get through all the... Like, watch this. Kirk Cousins. Is he good? Yes. Kirk Cousins, can he start? Yes. Kirk Cousins, can he dominate? Mm. Kirk Cousins, is he elite? We're kind of still at stage two with him, so we kind of know who he is. You kind of know who he is because he never really progressed. Joe Burrow, can he start? I mean, is he good? Yes. Can he start? Yes. Can he dominate? Yes. Is he elite? Getting there two years in a row, AFC title game? He's banging on that la- he's banging on the door then you go how long can it last Absolutely man Jalen Hurts is dominant Not and, and I love that the fact that he dropped in not yet elite because you know what he's doing with that last phrase with that quote That's a phrase that's telling you he's trending that way it's a completely positive take. If you take it any other way, then then once again, you're doing something that you did with Carson Wentz. You're, you're trying to take out, you're trying to take out the levels to getting to elite quarterbacks. And that's what you guys, can I tell you exactly what you guys did with Carson Wentz? You guys tried missing some of the steps to get to being an elite quarterback when you signed him to his extension after Hey, is he good? Yes. Can he start? Yes. Is he dominant? Yes. He never got to elite. You pay elite. You don't pay good. You don't pay that. Hey, Kirk Cousins can dominate a game. How many times have we seen him throw for 450 yards? How many times have you seen him throw for 450 yards in a game? I mean, every one of the... Dude, Tom Brady, get this. Look at Brady's thing. Is he good enough to be in the league? You know, you could probably have said that all... Hey, could you not have started Jalen's career out with, is he good enough to even be in the league? I mean, look at some of the guys that we... look. Look at Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is the greatest example of this number one overall selection. He stinks. So Jalen and Brady could have been right here. Look, 
are they good enough to play in the NFL? Will they be backups or are they good? Dude, when they when Brady and Jalen were drafted, you want to hear something, guys? They were probably saying this. Hey, can these guys be backup quarterbacks in the NFL and play as backups? They w- Would this be fair? When Jalen Hurts was drafted, they probably looked at him, the league, like he was Jacoby Brissett or Tyrod Taylor or Jacoby Brissett. They never looked at him on what he's doing. I, I got to tell you guys a real quick story here before we get Joe Theismann on. You know, Brian Johnson has been talking to Jeff Stoutland and Tracy Rocker, and you know what the one thing they're saying about him? They've never seen a player, and they're talking Jalen Hurts, who tirelessly practices and works at every single – he's at the Novacare Center – Every single day, working on his flaws, touch passes over the shoulder, comeback passes, wheel routes, screen passes. He's working on everything. And they said it's a it's a 12-hour day for him. Aaron Rodgers is at the Grammys. Madison Avenue. Madison Avenue. Madison Avenue. And he's also at psychedelic conferences. Talking about taking mushrooms. Dude, honestly, there is no question that Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets has shown me and told me everything I needed to know because all this shit was hidden in Green Bay, because, I mean, seriously, it, it, it's in Nowhereville, USA. Now you know what the guy and who the guy is. This guy's self-absorbed in himself. The work that Hurts is doing now to get himself prepared to play a football season this year. Because Jalen, hey, defensive coordinators have a book on him now. I'll talk to Joe Theismann about this too. I think this year, this, this what he did a year ago, hey man, that bullseye on his chest is even bigger. All the hard work you put in, man. You get this. Jalen's probably putting in a thousand hours over this offseason to get better 5%. Okay, can you imagine if Jalen Hurts is 5% better than what he was a year ago? I mean, he's working on – I probably think the player doesn't even know what his upside is yet because I I surely don't because I didn't expect him to be here. Then again, you see Lamar? Let me put it to you this way about these two men. I thought these two quarterbacks, I thought they were, when the Baltimore Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson and I saw him in his first stint when he took over for Flacco, I said, this guy will be out of the league in five years. I couldn't have been more wrong about a player. But these guys and their hard work have turned themselves into MVP candidates. 
I think these two guys have a lot in common. They love their community. They work hard. And they're football players. Lamar Jackson is nothing else but a football player. And he relishes the fact of being a football player. And he knows his status. I'm a gigantic admirer of him. You know, I, before I get Joe Theismann on, I, I, I want to say this again. A guy like Joe Theismann, too. They said, is Joe good enough to play in the NFL? Guy had to go to Canada. I said the same thing about Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. You know, when Lamar, again, I mean, you watched him in the first year when he took over for Flacco, you're doing this. This guy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. He was terrible. Just shows you what hard work, dedication, and motivation can do for you. When you're a thousand percent plugged into something, and I say this to people, you know the guys like Deisman and all these guys who had the uphill battle where you had to run and you had to run for your, you had to dig for your gold. Some guys are handed it because they're first rounders. Some of these guys like, like Montana, third rounder, Brady, sixth rounder. They have to dig for gold. They have to dig for their gold. And it, that means it's harder to beat him. You can't beat Theismann. You can't beat him today. You couldn't beat him then. Hey, you may win a game, but you ain't beating him. Those are the most difficult opponents to play against. Because no matter how hard, how good you think you are, you better bring your A game. They may, you may be better too, but you better bring your A game. Let's bring in the former MVP. Joe, you know, I mean, hey, by the way, we'll talk. Joe's got a great event coming up in Tahoe. We want to hit on that as well here. Um, Joe, I said this about Jalen Hurts, and the word is over there now that he is he's just working his backside off. How hard is it to come off a great year and to improve because you know the target on his back? is going to be bigger than what it was a year ago, plus your team's favored to win the NFC. Uh, first of all, it's good to catch up with you, Dan. Thank you. You bet, um, always, Joe. You know, the, the thing about it is when you look at someone like Jalen, as an example, um, he has worked so hard his entire career. Alabama, Oklahoma, uh, coming into the NFL. He's one of those young men who said, look, you know, this is a great opportunity for me. It is a privilege to put on this uniform and I'm going to do everything that I can to represent the Eagles in a way that I believe is the way it should be done. And that's through hard work, discipline, terrific young man. Um, you know, check all the boxes with them. How hard is it to repeat? You have to stay healthy. That's number one. Secondly, are there any pieces around him that might have left and have they replaced him? I think the Eagles have done a terrific job. I mean, they just, they do a great job with personnel over there. Um, you know, certainly you'd have to say, yeah, they would be. How hard is it to repeat? You know, like I say, you don't know what's going to happen as the year goes on. You can just prepare yourself as an individual, which he has done, uh, and get ready to be the best you can possibly be because you just don't know. You, you just, you know, you lose, you lose two or three guys up front, changes the game. You, you know, you lose a receiver, changes the game. Uh, the defense gets hurt in certain areas, and they, people start, you know, running against them or putting points on them, changes the game. 
but he's doing it the way he's doing it the only way I knew how. And I think anybody that loves this game as much as we do is you work on your trade. How do you get better as an individual? Joe, do you think he's one of these elite quarterbacks yet, or do you need to see more of a sample size? And his first year, he showed he could start second year. He showed he could dominate games. And I, Somebody just said this about him, and I thought the label was right. He's 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 a dominant player, but not yet elite. Is that? I mean, it's kind of like getting your cake and eat it. How do you see him? How can how can you say someone's a dominant player but not elite? <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't. No offense to whomever said that to you, Dan, but that's that's like, oh man, this guy's really dominant, but he's not elite. Well, okay, what does he dominate? He dominates his position. He dominates. Uh, Hit this area that 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 puts him in an elite category. Uh, I think if you I think if you're dominant, you're elite. I, I, you know, certainly winning championships is what everybody measures everything by. Um, I think he is a terrific football player and continue to grow and get better and better because he's so young in this game. You you forget he's really really young in this game. And there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of things for him to continue to learn. And he'll get better and better at his trade. Um, you know, you always want to try and throw the ball better. You always want to try and get it out of your hands quicker. You always want to try and recognize the coverages quicker so that you can give the receivers a chance. You always want to be able to use voice inflection to give your offensive line um, a little bit of an advantage. Uh, you know, go hard counts. Uh, all kinds of different things. And I, I I just think that I just think he's a terrific football player. I mean, uh, elite. You know, is he is he Aaron Rodgers? No, no. Is he Patrick Mahomes? No, no. He's Jalen Hurts in his own style and his own way. And so for me, I think he's elite in his own way. What does the sale of the Commanders mean to Joe Theismann? Well, I think, first of all, it'll end a lot of the drama that has surrounded this football team over the last two, three years. Um, a lot of the questions were about what is taking place off the field as opposed to what was taking place on the field. And I think the focus will be back on the football team and back on the things that Ron Rivera and Sam Howell and you know Terry McLaurin and all those guys on the field are going to have a chance to be able to do. What was the ownership under Daniel Snyder to Joe Theismann? Dan's, Dan's has been and always will be a great friend. Um, you know, I feel, I feel bad for him. Um, from, a, from an ownership standpoint, he wanted to do everything he could. There wasn't a bigger fan than Dan. Uh, things happened in the organization. Uh, I don't know a lot of the things overwritten and said. I, you know, I, I, I'm like everybody else. You know, I see it. I hear it. I know he was wonderful to me. Um, and, uh, he, he rooted like heck for his football team. And in the end now, um, it'll move on and Mr. Harris and his group will come in and evaluate. Uh, everybody keeps saying, well, what are they going to do? They don't even know what they have yet. I don't even think that this ownership group that's coming in and looks like they may get approved on July 20th, which will be great going forward for everyone, the fans, the players, the league. Um, it'll be a transition to, to new ownership and they'll be able to have an opportunity to be able to sit and evaluate. I mean, it, this is, it's not like, it's not like you're looking at a bicycle and saying, does the horn work? Do the brakes work? Uh, is the chain, uh, 
where it's supposed to be? Are we missing a spoke? There's a lot of moving parks, parts to this football team, Dan. And I think it's really, really important that, you know, they sit down and figure out what they have. Joe, you know, and there's two sides of this argument, and I get the one side. Understand we live in a different society today. But why, when I say the word commanders, I feel that the Washington Redskins have lost the identity of that franchise. And on top of that, it just seems like an expansion team. I mean, the history of that team, and and believe me, I understand. My wife even says it. You offend one person, why do that? I completely understand it, and I get it. But to me, Dallas versus the commanders. I'm sorry, dude. I don't feel Joe Theismann <laughs> versus um, Troy Aikman or Roger Stahlback. I, 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 that's not what I grew up on, and maybe I'm showing my age here a little bit. But, Joe, don't you, as an alumnus of the place that did such great things there, doesn't it seem to you – that it's kind of like a little detached from what the history of the team was. Well, you know, what is history, Dan? I mean, it's a part of the past. Uh, We live in a different time in society today. Um, And and I think you have to understand what's going on in society. Uh, Certainly, the things that we accomplished, we accomplished as a part of the Washington Redskins. That won't be changed. Nobody's going to say, okay, let's erase that Super. Let's erase those Super Bowls. They don't exist anymore. I doubt very seriously if that's going to happen. But the other side of it, and, and there's a lot of people that, that don't like the name changes. A lot of people, I didn't like the name the Washington football team. You know, it, it, it sounded to me like we were part of the Premier Soccer League. You know, <laughs> we were going to play Manchester United or Chelsea or somebody like that. I, and this is my analogy to everyone that doesn't like the commander's name. First of all, it doesn't matter what you're called. If you start winning, people will get excited about who you are. That's number one. Secondly, um, if you think of the San Francisco 49ers, the term the 49ers speaks to the history of San Francisco back in the back in those days when Hmm. the gold mining rush was going on. When I think of the Washington commanders now, Washington is the seat of command of all our military. That's what I think of. I think of the commanders as a football team that uh, plays in the city of Washington where the military is in command. And, and that's, that's my rationale for it. Um, you know, change sometimes is very hard. I, I've said this many, many times. Uh, people aren't opposed to change, but they're opposed to being changed. Hmm. And this is, this, is a, this is a change that has taken place, and it's not, it's not going back. So embrace it. You know, it, it, things, things are happening in society today that, you know, sometimes you scratch your head and you don't understand, but it's here. And, um, you know, I, I've had a, a little bit of a saying all my life is if, um, if I can't change it, I ain't going to worry about it. Hey, hey, Joe, we all know this. If they're 17 and oh, no one cares. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll take 15 and two. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Let's get into the team. Is this, Sam Howell's job to lose. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it is. I, you know, Ron's basically come out and said, hey, Sam, you're my starter, which I think was very good because now he gets to prepare mentally as a starting quarterback. There's, there's a difference. When you go to camp and you're preparing to compete against someone, you know, you want the job just as much, 
but there's a different mental state. Now, all of a sudden, Ron's basically come on and said, it's, you know, it's your job, Sam. And certainly training camp will determine it. But how much can you really understand in training camp? Jacoby has a big advantage because he's played for different teams. He started in the NFL. He started in multiple organizations and multiple systems. So he has an advantage there. But Sam's very talented. And I think Ron will stay with him. But, but you can't play him in preseason. You can't play your start. Starters don't play in preseason. We're not going to know who or what Sam Howell is till the end of September. Then we'll have a better idea of what kind of a quarterback he really is. He passes the eye test, love his athleticism, love his dedication to the game, love his work ethic, uh, love the way he throws the football. There's lots of things to love about him. You just don't know what's going to happen when everything starts collapsing around him. You know, when you lose a game, I mean, you know, he beat the Dallas Cowboys. He was he threw 21 passes. You know, how do you evaluate anybody on a sample size that small? Um, do they have the best coaching staff, in your opinion, in the NFC East? I, you know, I don't know. You know, that would be a difficult question. I mean, Ron me. Rivera. I think, I, think Ron's, I think Ron's done a great job. You know, I mean, you can't win in this league without stability at the quarterback position. And he hasn't had it. I believe he's had nine different quarterbacks in what the four years he's been coming up on his fifth year. Wow. Uh, I mean, you know, I, you, unless there's stability there, Dan, you just, you can't be successful since I got hurt in 1985. I believe this is the number. There've been 43 different starting quarterbacks in Washington. Wow. 38 years, 43 different starting quarterbacks. Think of the green Bay Packers. Think of the San Francisco 49ers, you know, the stability that you have at that position goes a long way to the stability of your football team. And so you, you can't like last year, you know, Carson Wentz, um, Taylor Heineke, uh, Sam Howell. Three years ago, I believe there were four people, Jim Johnson. I, I, the names, there's so many of them. Now, if you look back over the history, I believe that, you know, it is, I believe it's around 43, 42 of them. And I, I just, I think to myself, you know, until you get somebody who can play over games, get comfortable, get familiar, stay in a system, there's a brand new system coming in with Eric B. Enemy. That's changed. There's a learning curve. In the NFL, when you take the time to think, you're always a beat behind. It's when you become instinctive. I, I, you had Travis on, right, Kelsey? I mean, instinctive football player. You know, he and Patrick, they don't, they don't need to say a word to one another. There's instincts that take over. Uh, you know, Andy, I think Andy Reid's one of the most incredible coaches. If, if people don't start talking about him uh, in terms of Joe Gibbs and, and Bill Walsh, then, then they're foolish. He belongs in that category of elite when it comes to you want to talk about elite, there's an elite coach. Um, but there's a familiarity. You know, Andy knows what Patrick can do. Patrick understands what Andy wants from the system. You know, there's an interesting element into calling plays. Coaches can call plays, and it isn't the what they're calling. It's why are they calling it. And when you understand as a quarterback why a coach is calling a play, then you become more efficient in running the offense. For example, it's let's say it's let's say we're on. Let's take the Washington and Dallas. You know, Washington's on Dallas's 35-yard line. It's third down and two. And he calls a particular play that's got a bomb built in. I know for a fact 
that this is the shot that he wants to take. And I also understand that if we get the fourth and two at this particular field, we're probably going to go for it. That's a whole lot of information instead of just saying, okay, it's third and two, run this play. Absolutely. I want to walk back on something he said when you mentioned Carson Wentz. Why didn't it work out for him in Washington? I don't know. I mean, first of all, he got hurt. Um, you know, Carson uh, Carson was a big guy, long strider. Um, it seemed like when he came out, he always missed high early and sort of settled in. And then when he got hurt, you know, you, you start losing, you start losing opportunities to get better. And that's really the way you get better on a football field is you, they're there every day. I tell, I tell young people all the time, your job is to be able to play and practice every day. That's the only way that you're going to get better. You can't stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. It doesn't work that way in our business. No, everybody's elite. Everybody's, I love your term so far today. Everybody's <laughs> elite with their talent. There's, Tons of elite talent. Question is, are you able to be on the field to develop it? And in Carson's case, he got hurt. I don't think the system necessarily fit what he did. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if he has signed on to anybody at this point. Joe, you mentioned something about the way you were moving the, the chains and how you look at coaches and styles and how coaches call games. Do you think what we're doing, we had Bruce Arians on with us last week. And I asked him, I go, one of the reasons that you're seeing less failure at the quarterback position coming out of college is because instead of curtailing somebody like you, who was a very mobile guy when he was at Notre Dame and telling him you can't run, you, you build an offense, a boutique offense around the skill set of what a guy does best. You don't take stuff away from them. That's why when you went like this, Jalen's Jalen. Well, you build an offense to that. Patrick right. Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. In our time, Joe, you either had this offense, and if you didn't perform in that offense or defense, you were a bust. Today, yeah. it just seems the coaching is more open-minded than it was when we were in the league. Do you think that's fair? I think it's I think it's a fair assessment. I, you know, you go back – Coaches had a philosophy and a concept when we came into league. I mean, this is the way they wanted to run things. When I got to Washington, both Billy Kilmer and Sonny Jerkins were drop back quarterbacks. I moved a little bit more. I had to learn how to work out of a pocket. You know, Billy wasn't going to, you know, scramble around. Sonny certainly wasn't going to scramble around. And, and the scrambling part of it is more of um, an instinctive thing. It's not something you teach someone. Being able to protect the ball in the pocket, you teach them. Being able to step and escape, you can teach that kind of stuff. But being able to move around is just you have it or you don't. Um, I think what's happened so frequently now is coaches look at guys on tape in college and they say, we, we basically run the same place. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Football is football. A post is a post. An out is an out. A curl is a curl. A flat route is a flat route. I don't care what left Pop Warner, high school, college, pros, they're all the same. That's what they're called. Now, the question is, can, can you bring everybody into the fold, into your philosophy, and have it be effective? One of the most challenging things in our game today is the verbiage and the description of plays. Guys that are in the West Coast offense, boy, I mean, there's a lot of words and a lot of numbers. I played in a system that was a numbering system. 
zero, all you needed to know was zero to nine. And you needed to know whether you lined up at the split end position, the inside receiver position, or the outside position uh, to the two receiver side. That's it. And I tell you what, I tell the backs what to do. You know, 989, wide cross sneak. Two nines, a post in the middle, and what the wide cross and the back sneak. 428, deep in by the X, the two is in the flat. You know, I mean, so ours was pretty simple. Now they're, I can't even go through some of the, the long, long descriptions. That's why you see teams. And I always kid about this. Sometimes, like, I think uh, San Francisco has a lot of words in their offense. Green Bay has a lot of words in their offense. Keep an eye on the play clock when, like, say, San Francisco's on offense. They don't snap it with a lot of time left. There's a lot of explaining to do, a lot of conversation that a quarterback has to get out to get the plays to the to the um, guys. And uh, they run pretty close sometimes. I would say this to you about Kyle Shanahan, and I know he was in Washington, and I know he was down in, in uh, Atlanta. And I got to say this to you, Joe, I mean, look at the quarterbacks that this guy gets banged up. Yeah. Now, they ended up bringing an RG3 back. Now, Ken, okay? It's a football play. Guy gets hurt. He gets out to San Francisco as the head coach. Garoppolo's never healthy, okay? Trey Lance gets hurt. Purdy gets hurt. Puts a guy back in too soon like he did. Yeah. In one. I mean, protecting the quarterback seems to be an issue. No. Kyle Shanahan's Kyle yeah. Shanahan's offense. You think that's just coincidence? No, I don't. I don't agree with that at all. I, I think he he does everything he can to protect his quarterback. There have been unfortunate situations that have come up. You know, I mean, you know, Jimmy getting hurt. You know, Brock getting hurt. I mean, you got you got Christian McCaffrey as your quarterback in a championship game. I mean, <laughs> not going you know, anywhere. It's, it's like it's like where do you where do you go, Trey? We nobody really knows who is Trey Lance. No. Again, Trey Lance is a little bit like Sam Howell, except Trey's been there longer. Jordan Love up in Green Bay. What 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 do we we're gonna find out what these young men are capable and able to do? Um, you know, I think Justin Fields is one that has had the good fortune to be able to play and continue to grow in the game, which is very important. But um, you know, I I think San Francisco is an example of what we talked about when you talk about the instability. Uh, and not having a quarterback there to be able to play an entire season, to be there through the playoffs, to be able to do things with. You know, you, it's, it's hard to be able to, to change offenses and put in new plays and design other plays when you're constantly taking two steps forward and one step back. Your take on Dak Prescott. To ask you a couple last questions before we get to your event, Joe. Um, Dak Prescott, your take on him on – his career, I mean, he's 50 million bucks. I mean, the Cowboys have won four playoff games since 2000. I mean, I don't, is there any difference between him and Tony Romo? I'm not sure I'm seeing it yet. I mean, if not now, when? I think one thing that, you know, uh, first of all, a couple of years ago when Dak got hurt, I said it would take two years for him to get back to being himself. He got on the field earlier than that. And I think, I don't think he was efficient as he could be. And I think a lot of that had to do with his health. You know, the right leg is your power leg. That's the one you push off. You'll notice he had trouble with what I think a tricep. Uh, it affects the mechanism. The entire throwing mechanism starts at the ground and works its up its way up through your body. So I think Dak came back a little early. Last year, uh, he made some throws. I mean, what I don't think he played four games and still led the league in interceptions uh, for whatever reasons. 
now that Mike McCarthy's taken over the play calling and he feels like that, you know, I think it'll be a better situation for him and for Dak. I think we have to see exactly how good Dak can be. Certainly, I know he's, you talk about people working hard. Jalen's one of those guys. Dak's another one. Dak's one of the hardest working people in football. He wants to be great. He understands the legacy of the Dallas Cowboys. He understands what has been there before. And he wants to contribute to get it back. Now, personally, I'm not necessarily rooting for him. Because <laughs> 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 he's, he's in our division. But, you know, I, I just, I, I want to see him have a solid year. I tell you, the other one is Russell Wilson. Was, was that an aberration last year? Well, Joe, could it have is, been him who is, coming from who is Russell the NFC? Wilson? Could it have been? Could it have been him coming from the NFC to the AFC when there's just more competition in the AFC with the quarterbacks you're playing each and every week? That doesn't affect how you play. You know, uh, the fact that Patrick Mahomes is in, in the AFC or now Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't affect how Russell's going to play because he's in he's in his own offense. He was in a particular offense. I just think last year might have been a, a. I hope just one of those years was a. You know, it was one of those tough years for him. Same thing with Dak. Uh, I guarantee you both of them are coming in with a vengeance this year. I mean, you look, the guys we're talking about are really hard working football players. You know, is the, are the wide receiving core going to be healthy? You know, here's a classic example. Everybody had Daniel Jones basically written off, right? Yeah. Daniel Jones. Okay. He manages to play an entire season, an entire season improved. They protected him with the play calling a bit. You know, and, and so all of a sudden now, then he starts making plays, they get in the playoffs. I think the reason why is because he was healthy enough to be able to continue to learn and grow and get better. Um, and so that is such a vital part of playing the position of quarterback, taking snaps every day, being able to get out and see it, not just read it. I, I kid people all the time. Uh, you know, if, if I read a book on tennis and, and really studied it, would I be able to beat Rafael Nadal? No, but if I went out and played to, a, and I could compete and play to a high level, then there'd be competition. And, and you have to be out there, unfortunately, making mistakes so that you can get better at what you do. That's the only way you learn. Final question for you before we get to our event. Um, Aaron Rodgers' impact on the Jets will be what this year? Significant. Do you think they're in the room with Kansas City, Joe? I, I don't care who they're in the room with. I think it'll be significant. First of all, I, from everything I've heard, AR is rejuvenated. He's excited. Secondly, he's in the same system he was in basically in Green Bay because Nathaniel Hackett is the offensive coordinator who was with him. And I guarantee you Nathaniel was pounding the, the desk and the tables and anything else he could pound to get AR into uh, to the Jets. Plus, other people have come with him. The Jets were a pretty good defensive football team. They were. So all of a sudden, what was the missing element? I look at I look at a little bit like the Jets, like I did with um, with Tampa Bay when Tom went there. Tampa wow. Bay was really a good football team. Defense was really exceptional. Too many mistakes. You know, Jameis, you know, threw too many interceptions and made too many mistakes. But yet, the foundation was there. They wind up winning the Super Bowl. Peyton goes to Denver, win a Super Bowl. Matthew goes to the Rams, wins a Super Bowl. I'll say it on your show, and I'll say it again. I wouldn't be surprised in the AFC if the Jets aren't knocking on the door. 
because of Aaron Rodgers' presence. He's the greatest pure passer, Dan, that I've ever seen in football. He spins it as well as anybody. His release is quick as anybody. His velocity is as well as, as good as anybody. He throws on the run like most guys throw standing still. And he's going to protect himself to be able to be on the football field. See, I see AR in a very unique situation. He's a teacher and a coach now. Hmm. It's, you know, the role's a little bit reversed. He was always the guy being coached. Now he gets a chance to be the coach. He gets to be the one to work with guys. And, you know, and, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see those, those glares, you know, those looks, you know, a guy runs a wrong route. They get the, they get the I, the A-R-I. Um, but I, I really think, I think his impact will be very significant. Have an event. Um, explain to us, please, in Tahoe, it's a tournament that yep. you're going to be involved in. Love to hear it and how people can watch this thing. What it is, it's the American Century Championship Golf Tournament. It's played in Lake Tahoe, July 14th through the 16th. Now, we've also created, and you can go to the website, which is www.accfantasygolf.com. What happens is there's 80 people in the field, and they're going to be broken down into five different categories based upon your skill level. One is the really good ones. Five are the ones that... You know, Larry the Cable Guy, Charles Barkley, guys that love the game and and uh, are a lot of fun to be around and still want to get better and better at what they do. I happen to be in group three with a guy like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and some of those guys. So you get to choose one person from each of those groups every day. The person that ultimately winds up winning wins $10,000 to, to give to the charity of their choice. And then they also get a two, uh, trip for two to next year's tournament. Now, you can change players each day if you'd like. And each day, the person that wins also gets a trip for two to Lake Tahoe next year. And you can go, like I say, to the website. It's www.accfantasygolf.com. Um, Catherine Tappan, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Mark Mulder, Vinny Del Negro. The list goes on and on and on of the people that play there. Annika Sornstam plays every year. I love going to the practice range when Annika is there because then I can, I can listen to what she might be saying and I can try and pick up some of the tips because I just think she's phenomenal. She's a phenomenal human being, phenomenal golfer, just incredible. Um, and so it, the, the selections started yesterday, June 22nd. You have until July 13th to be able to put your team together and the tournament starts on the 14th. And I got to tell you something just about American century, American century, who's been the title sponsor for 25 years, Dan, it's a great event. It's it's, this is the 34th year. This is my 32nd, but American century as a company gives away over 40% or dedicates 40% of their net profits to the Stour Institute in Kansas city for research on disease. It is a, a philanthropic organization run by an incredible human being, human being by the name of Jonathan Thomas, who understands the value of giving back and being able to provide the opportunity for us who are all competition junkies from all different genres of entertainment to be able to, to have a lot of fun and get to meet some incredible people. And the thing you find out when you go, we're, we're expecting over 50,000 people out there. Oh, that, uh, that's one of the, uh, that is one of the great, pro-am type events in the entire country there was there was a baseball guy who used to win that thing every year 
And you'd see some, I see Aaron Rodgers in that tournament every single John year. Smoltz, you know, Smoltz, playing in it. Oh my God. That Maddox is in it. Glavin's in it. And then of course, got, all, got Steph, all the Curry's. You know, Dell and Seth and Steph. There it is right there, there, Joe. ACCFantasyGolf.com. Yep. Log on, get all the rules, and hope to see a lot of people out there. And I, I hope somebody picks me, and I promise you, I'm not going to disappoint you. I absolutely love you, Joe. You are one of my favorite people on the planet to talk to. You know, you and Rick Barry. When I Because I said something the other day about, about uh, Joel Embiid, and he, he just goes like this. That's ridiculous. And, and and well, it's because he you know he and I are hurricane guys, and we go back a long way. And you know, my friend, see, we, we talk like we're in a locker room because Joe, when you're sitting on a stool, and you know, we used to have the circular ones. Now they have these little cubby holes, and it's a whole different <laughs> world today. Everyone used to look at each other in the eye. Nothing was off. Hey, no, no, nothing was off base. You could mm-hmm. say pretty much anything you want to one yeah. another because you always knew it came from a place of love. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've appreciated you so much. Enjoy our conversations oh, always. Me too. I, I love your, your questions are not easy. They're challenging, but uh, they're of interest to you and the people that watch your podcast. And, you know, like I said, I'm more than happy to, to join you anytime, Dan. I think the world of you. I, I enjoy what you do. I enjoy the opportunity to talk about the game. I love both of oh them. God, and it's, an honor to, it's an honor to hear that. Joe, have a great time. Swing. Have a great time out there in Tahoe. Thank Tempo. you so much. Tempo. All thinking, all I'm thinking is I'm starting to talk to you. Tempo, Dan. All tempo, man. All tempo. You're so high strung, you don't know what tempo is. But Absolutely I got not. Tempo Remember, I'm a defensive guy. You wind me up and I run in the walls. You're the guy with tempo and patience. <laughs> Joe, thank you, my friend. You too, my friend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is our friend Joe Theismann, former NFL MVP. Make sure you go to that website. What an absolutely spectacular guy. Hour number two coming up. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Fifteen million bucks Fifteen million bucks To be the host of Wheel of Fortune Just to do this Spend a wheel Thousand bucks. It's a place. Man, can I have that job? Spin the wheel. Hey, Alexander, spin the wheel. It's a famous leader. Dan, are there two R's? No. <laughs> okay. JM, spin the wheel. Are there an, is there an A? There is an A. $350 for that. Spin again. $15 million. $15 million a year to do that. Man, can I get that gig, please? Holy shit, man. By the way, we're going to do the top coordinators in the NFC East. Offense and defense on every single team. Is, not, is my boy Niner in here? Oh, yeah. Thank you, Michael. That's really kind of you. Hey, do you have... Hey, Dan, I'd like to buy a vowel. Hey, I'm the king of vowels. Look at me. I got the face of vowels. <laughs> is there a no? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Is Niner, oh yes, there's my boy Niner. Okay. Sills, you can't be the host. You'd be fighting all the guests. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. So Niner's in here, because you know he gets upset with me because I was talking about the schedule the other day. Old material. Well, here's something new today. Hey, Weiner, I mean Niner, are, are you here? This is actually a really good topic. Where's my boy Weiner? He's got to be in here somewhere. Oh, wait. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's okay. It's past lunch, so I'm sure he's he's done with his wine and his cheese. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's done with it. He's here? Tone says he's here. He is okay. So 
According to Adam, what's his name? Shifter? Shafter? What's his name? Adam Shyster? What's the guy's name? I forget. Adam what? If the shoe, if the shoe fits, wear it. Who's the guy, the famous guy at ESPN that comes up with more lies than me? Schefter. Adam Schefter. Niners, boy. No play Trey. Is now 13. (laughs) This just keeps getting better and better and better and better and better. And better. Adam Scheister is now saying that no play Trey's third team. Trey Lance season. <laughs> Guess where it's going to be in the XFL? Shefty Schefter is now got Trey Lance on the third team behind Sam Darnold and a guy who's not healthy yet. Dude. Marcus Mariota's the better has is the Eagles backup quarterback is better than anything you have in San Francisco right now. Do you understand that? Adam Scheister. Shefty. Whatever. Shefty. Marcus Mariota is better than anything you have in your quarterback room. Why didn't you sign him? Oh, that's right. I forgot the brilliance of Kyle Shanahan in the flat brim. Damn, dude. You got some shit going on in San Francisco again. Again. You haven't addressed your quarterback situation. Hey, by the way, you got rid of Jimmy Garoppolo? You got worse. You got worse as a franchise at the most important position. Jimmy Garoppolo is a $25 million guy. Okay. Say Purdy wins the job. Trading deadline comes. You could have traded his ass for maybe a first or second rounder. Man. Dude, if you're the Eagles... You don't have to worry about that guy. You don't have to worry about the 49ers. They can't get their head out of their ass when it comes to their quarterback position. What a failure evaluation of that position. Niners is 26 and hasn't been seen his team win in 26. Dude, that's a damn shame. That's a damn shame. The Niners, man, in my time when I played, were the best franchise on the planet and one of the greatest dynasties. Okay? Great dynasty. Now, it's Turdville. Hey, we went to, you know what you're slowly becoming in San Francisco? The Minnesota Vikings. Hey, man, we played pretty good all the way up until, you know, the playoffs. Hey, we're a great regular season team, man. We win a lot of games. Get your asses in the playoffs. Don't worry, man. Something stupid will happen because you know why? They're not prepared. Dude, the Minnesota Vikings are more prepared at the position than you are. 
That's a damn travesty. Man. Trade no play Lance. You can't even trade. Get this. Nobody on the planet wants to trade for that guy. There's If you put Trey Lance on the open market right now, you couldn't get a fourth rounder for him. No, you probably would maybe get a third rounder. I think if you're lucky. Geno's the best quarterback in that division now. <laughs> Wait, well we'll, well, we'll see what Stafford does. But Geno Smith is the best quarterback in the NFC West? Holy shit. Daniel Jones would be the best quarterback in the NFC West if he played in the West. Hey, am I wrong? The quarterback in New York, Daniel Jones, would be the best quarterback in the West. Lance... Lance is coming off an injury, never got off the ground. No, you he never got off the plane. That's what you get for drafting a guy out of North Dakota State. Some shitbag school who plays nobody and is in a white dude conference with, with white guys playing everywhere. <laughs> I mean, dude, it, it's like a beer drinking league. It's like the it's like a beer drinking white guy league. That that thing, the bison. <laughs> okay. It's like a white guy beer drinking league. Hey, did you see the, did you, hey, did you, did you see the bison taking on the uh, wolverines? Did you, did you see them taking on the moose? <laughs> it's, it's the underground prison league. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, right. You know, most teams play in a conference, SEC, Big Ten. <laughs> they play in the WBC, the white boy conference. <laughs> I'm sorry, dog. Got to have a little diversity on your, especially in your secondary. I can't, I, I, I can't see Xander playing corner and go, well, okay, this is good. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, no, here, you remember Jason Seahorn? Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, oh, man. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> oh, man, it's the WBC, the White Boy Conference. I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, Good night. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right. Let me get into this here. It says crying. Hey, did you see Trey Lance play? Against who? Yeah, he was playing. He, he was playing. Didn't you see him? He was playing against the Wyoming Turtles. Oh, no, I missed that game. Can I Google it? No, you have to actually YouTube it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, happy hour started early for sales, dude. Happy hour. All you got to do is tune on the news with the Niners. It's happy hour out there every day. Just watching that train wreck. 
Dude, it's it's like it's like the guy that pulls the string. Hey, I'm number three. I'm number three. I'm number three. <laughs> the Wyoming Turtles. That's who uh, Carson Wentz and Trey Lance played against. Woo, man. <laughs> hey, did you see that cornerback play? No. <laughs> like, how many players get drafted out of the schools that play against North Dakota State? Jesus, criminy. I'd like, dude, you never, you would never see those schools playing the HBCU schools because the HBCU schools would go up there and kick the living shit out of them. Hey, if, if, hey, Tone, if North Dakota State was in the HBCUs and had to play like Grambling and all them other guys, Jackson State and shit like that in FAMU, they'd be four and seven. <laughs> You got to play against the beer drinking guys up there, man. The Texas Tornadoes. <laughs> hey, the Texas Tornadoes? Is that like minor league football? No, it's like in the same conference that North Dakota State plays. Oh, man. <laughs> of course it's a conspiracy. It's always a conspiracy against the HBCU schools. Hey, 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 don't. You got a nice wide receiver lining up, and all of a sudden, here, 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 here comes Bob Mitchell sitting here lining up as a corner. <laughs> and hey, and 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 this and, and this guy, man, he's he's sitting there, man. He's got all those little tattoos on this white guy sitting there, and there's Bob Mitchell playing corner. <laughs> I'd be like, who are you? <laughs> who are you? What are you doing out here? You're a corner. Okay. Hit <laughs> uh, my hey the corners that play against the uh, North Dakota State guys Bob Mitchell and Steve Jones. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and 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 that's Niners quarterback plays against Stan Mitchell. <laughs> oh man! Hey. Congratulations to you, Niner. Once again, it's June 23rd, and you ain't figured your bullshit out at quarterback yet. Oh, the wet. Hey, the West Virginia man ate. No, no, JM, it would be the West Virginia mattress burners. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I could say that now because I could be a hero behind the mic, but I wouldn't say that if I was in Town. Because I'm Italian, man. They don't look at me as a white guy. Hey, boy, what's that last name of yours? Cilio. Oh, ho. Ho, ho. Ho, ho. Cilio. Oh. Interesting. Cilio, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, you, you know, boy, that last name of yours, man, little bit, you know, uh, no, <laughs> uh, you gotta, uh, hey, why is it so that everyone in West Virginia, like has ropes hanging around their neck and they burn mattresses after games to this day, it's 35 years later. I still haven't figured that out. I know my friend Jerome Brown tried to explain it to me, but I still can't figure it out. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's get into this. Should just Stan Smith playing corner. 
with his fist up. <laughs> That's who the quarterback of the Niners is now. He's got a guy who played against with his fist up. And wide receiver lines up going, wait, get your fist up. This is how we play here. No, dude, you can use your hands a little bit now. You know, it's like the two, 2023. You know, you're not playing in the six. They play 60s ball. Hey, Yale, they got 60s ball, you know, when they used to block like that. <laughs> uh, oh, man. <laughs> Your country, you think? Dude, when guys are allowed to carry pistols on their waist in holsters at games, I'm not thinking I want to play there. <laughs> That's not a place I want to be at. <laughs> How come that guy's got two six-shooters on his side? It's 2023. Well, you can do that up here and, and with, with, with the Wyoming Willies. Have you ever seen this stadium? Shit, at nighttime after the football game, we slaughter pigs out there. Oh. <laughs> uh, hey. <laughs> hey, you know, North Dakota State, that football field they play on, you didn't you notice, man? When they're done playing ball, they slaughter hogs on it. <laughs> when they're done. Oh, whatever, man. Here we go. All right, so I wrote down a list of the best coordinators, and we're going to take a look at the NFC East. The best offense and defensive coordinators that are in the division. And... I think they're pretty, they're, they're more talented than what I thought. Okay. More talented. And here we go. Best coordinator. No, let's start at the bottom. The worst coordinator in the National Football League's NFC East is Sean Desai. And to use a Yale line, TBD, fair enough. TBD, to be determined. I don't know either. Well, if it's TBD and I don't know, the experienced guy always gets, okay, always gets put behind and doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. Decides the worst defensive coordinator in the NFC East compared to these other guys. Giants, Don Martindale, he's a better coordinator. He's got a better resume. He's had more success. Well, we don't know about Sean Desai. Well, then Don gets it. You just can't do this. Well, he's even with Don Martindale because he's never done anything. He's never been a defensive coordinator. So how can he be better than Martindale? Commanders, he's not better than Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio's got more success. I'm going to make a point here to you about your Eagle coaching staff. And the best the coordinator in the division is Dan Quinn. Okay? Dan Quinn. So... You have the worst coordinator in the NFC East. Let's go to the defensive side. 
Brian goes, come on, man. How could you name Sean Decide better than any one of these guys when he's never done a thing? What, what, what? Give me the rationale, Brian. That give, give me one thing that makes you think they're better than any of the coordinators that I just mentioned, that Sean Desai is. What, because somebody told you? Give me one. What was he was a coaching assistant in Seattle. So JM goes, so wait a minute. You just, he is the worst coordinator in the NFC East. What was he ranked in the NFC West? He wasn't. He wasn't the coordinator. Here is the best offensive coordinators. Eagles, Brian Johnson, he's never been an offensive coordinator. Commanders, number three, Eric Bieniemy. Giants, Mike Kafka. Cowboys, Brian Schottenheimer is the best coordinator. So let me get this right. The Philadelphia Eagles are going into this season with the worst coordinators. Wait a minute. I'll take that back. The Philadelphia Eagles are going into the 2023 NFL season in the NFC East with the least experienced coordinators in their respective conferences on both sides of the ball. Okay. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, help me out here. Am I wrong? You're, I won't say the worst because that's an indictment that they're bad before they even get a chance to prove whether they're bad or whether or not they're good. It's not fair. We'll use the words least, least experienced. JM, he's right. There's no way to evaluate him, which means you're the least... JM, you just validated what I said. There's no way to evaluate him. You're right. You're right. And no, it wasn't the same as last year. Because both those coordinators you had last year were coming off a playoff run in the previous year. Steichen and Gannon were coordinators the previous years. So that's not true. Fake news, Ray. Fake news. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. 
How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Was it the same as last year? Hmm. Proof is in the winning. What winning? They haven't won anything as coordinators. What are you talking about? Proof is in winning? Chuck, what winning? They've never had the OCDC headset on. What are you talking about? They're not able to be ranked. Okay. Once again, they are the least experienced coordinators in the NFC East. That's a fact, not an opinion. It's a fact, future winning. Okay, Chuck. I'm telling you what you are now. Chuck's telling me what he thinks you'll be. I'm telling you what's certain right now. He's telling you a fantasy. Okay? Now, you could tie it all the way you want, JM. Your coordinators are the most inexperienced coordinators in the division, both of them. Alexander, get this though. I backed off. They're not, I don't know if they're bad. I'm not telling you they're bad. Quan goes, Sills is yelling at us. Bro, I'm Italian. I'm loud. You know this. Take a chair at the little kid's table. Just have a chair. Sit down and get a sippy cup. You'll be all right. Happy meal. Happy meal, you know, with the toy in it. <laughs> to keep you occupied until you can understand a little better. All right, Quan? It's all right, man. Just get a happy meal. Ask for the toy. Okay? I I, I think it's a like a little like a... Um, I, I, I think it's like a little um, sundial thing. You, that'll keep you occupied for a while. Oh, wait, that's Cracker Jacks. That's right. I forgot. I used to serve those at Yankee games. <laughs> it's all right, Quan. It's all right. Yeah, that's it, Quan. Quan goes that I'm a hypocrite because I said that the Eagles have the least experienced coordinators in the division. And he thinks that that's talking shit on them. Oh, my guy. Why are you talking bad about my guy? I'm not. I said they're the least experienced. Yeah, hey, Yale. Hey, Quan, just go get a compass, man. Play around with the compass, you know. Or like the eight ball thing. You could just move it around and, you know, 
give you some good thoughts and make you feel better because I know it's Friday. It's all good. Let's do the head coach. <laughs> oh, let's do the head coach here now. Damn. I didn't realize the Eagle coaching staff. I, I, I really, I, I'm a little perplexed here. So you're not going to believe this. Here's how I rank the coaches and the head coaches in the NFC East. Wait a minute now. What would you guys rank Nick Sirianni in the NFC East? As a head coach, what would you win this? Okay. Michael, people don't put their big boy pants on when they come here. They can't. They can't handle it. Those are the guys that go and cry on the outhouse wall. This guy's mean. He's mean. (laughs) Why is he mean? Because he tells the truth. Because he tells the truth. (laughs) He's clearly... He clearly is worse than McCarthy and Paddleboat Ron. Two, two. Got to go to chiropractor. <laughs> Have a good one, 85. I wish we had Frank Reich on the staff. Oh, that would have been completely awesome. Two, tie with the Giants. Let's see this one. One, 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 one. I don't have time for this hogwash. I'm, 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 hey, I'm going to go listen to Hugh and those guys because those guys will wave my banner. <laughs> I love it. Here's my list for the coaches in the NFC East. I got Mike McCarthy fourth. And this guy is the only guy in the division that's won a Super Bowl. He's the only guy. Because you want to hear something? I think there's a bigger question mark on what his importance is in the Dallas Cowboy locker room than any coach that's in the East. Dude, you had Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and Dak Prescott, and you've won one Super Bowl with them dudes. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you had some of the better signal callers. You had some of the best signal callers in the last 15, 20 years, and you've won one Super Bowl with Favre, Rodgers, and with McCarthy or with, um, with Dak. Tone goes, I say Sirianni's number one. Sirianni has had the most recent success out of all the coaches in the division. McCarthy's had a Super Bowl win. McCarthy may be more decorated, but I would take Sirianni right now. Rivera has no results to show in Washington. He won a division title. Okay? He's got as many division titles in the NFC East as Sirianni does. Dable needs to show more. 
here, 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 here's where I kind of agree with Tone a little bit. Ron Rivera has won a division title also in the NFC East. And he's been to a Super Bowl. So, and he's been in the worst organization running football. With all the chaos, he's actually been the most stable. He's been the most stable part of football that the Washington things have had since he got there. He stabilized the boat from sinking. I don't know. I think that matters. I think that means something. He stabilized losing and the losing mentality. He beat your ass last year too. One of your best teams that you've ever had, he beat him with nothing. It's funny, isn't it? Ron Rivera beat both the Cowboys and the Eagles a year ago when both quarterbacks were healthy. I don't know. No results? Won a division title? I think Ron's done a hell of a job there. I do have Brian Dable third. I do agree with, you know what's funny? And and, and what Tone's saying here, Dable needs to show me more. Even though he did turn a losing franchise around and a losing situation around, Dable needs to show people more. I'm not saying he's wrong. It's not a bad take. But Jalen Hurts doesn't need to show you more. Okay. Ron turned a quarterback around and a franchise around. Who do you think has been more accomplished in turning a fr- Nick Sirianni walked into the best franchise in the NFC. The most stable franchise in the NFC. The winningest franchise since 2000. Was there any chance that Nick Sirianni was going to fail in Philadelphia by recent history in the hirings? No. Nobody fails in Philly. Look it up. Since 2000, you haven't had a head coach with a losing record. That's environment. Brian Dable walks into the Giants, who have been a train wreck for 10 years, and a quarterback they took in the first round, who they didn't pick up the contract extension on. I want to show you what a turnaround that is. So Brian Dable gets the job, right? Brian Dable gets a By the way, Tone, those are great takes. The question was, who's a better coach, not who is better? In a, right. I think this all, I agree with you. I agree. Well, here, I'm going to tell you what Dable has done. So Brian Dable goes in to the Giants. The Giants are not going to pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. They have had horrible losing, and everybody on the planet was saying that the quarterback and the roster's not good. In one year, he did so much to improve Daniel Jones, he's now making $46 million a year. And the Giants made the playoffs. I don't know. 
who not only turned the team around and coached them the victories and the playoffs, you also recuperated a quarterback, a first-round pick that the previous regime and ownership had theoretically given up on. They weren't going to give Daniel Jones the, the, the money because they didn't pick up the... Get this. Think of the money that the Giants could have saved if they had picked up the $18 million option. It would have been like a franchise tag. Instead, he goes out and Dan, Brian Dable puts him in the playoffs and now he makes $46 million and he's completely overpaid. I agree. But that's Brian Dable. If Brian Dable's not hired as the head coach in New York, Jones is fired. It's more losing. And you're not going anywhere. That's quite a job in one year. But I am with Tone. What's the next, what's the next chapter of this? What's it look like? Okay, you st- how about this? He did what Ron Rivera did. Nick Sirianni, did he have to do some stabilizing when he got the job? You know, I'd say he did. You guys are coming off a four-win season. The organization, though, was pretty healthy in what they wanted to do and the direction that they wanted to go in. Still, four wins are four wins. And there was a lot of question mark. By the way, Howie Roseman today compared to when Sirianni got the job, I got to think, hey, Tone, let me ask you this. Has your opinion changed more on Sirianni or on Howie Roseman after the four-win season and all of a sudden now Sirianni was hired then and you're like, who? There was more probably more guessing than even when Andy Reid was hired. And especially with the general manager, Howie Roseman. What's he doing? So there was some, there was some bailing of the water out. Okay? There was, yeah, the Eagles had to bail the boat a little bit. That, that's totally true. They had to bail. And they had to get some water out of the boat, and they did. They plugged the hole, and they moved on. And the whole Wentz thing, all of that as well. Okay? So he did have to. I mean, there, there was some. There was some of that. Isn't it funny? All these coaches in the NFC East had some repair to do on the organization and stabilizing it. Each guy is, you know, probably the only guy in this whole group here in the NFC East that didn't have to do shit was Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy has no say in anything. You know, Mike McCarthy now being the play caller is probably the first time that he's had any decision-making in the Dallas Cowboys since he's been the Cowboy head coach. That's scary. At least now he's got some say in putting the offense together. And I, I, I'm going to be very interested to see how that relationship with Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy, because it was a pretty frosty one with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy at the very end. Okay? It, it, it wasn't the best. I got Ron Rivera, too. 
And I kind of pointed it out why Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera has been everything right in Washington. He's been a great coach there. In a very horrific time, transition from owner to a new owner, all the chaos that went behind the scenes. I'm surprised they did any. I'm surprised they were able to get ready for a game every week. You got Del Rio, and now you've been able to acquire Eric Bieniemy as your offensive coordinator. The only reason you get Eric Bieniemy in the building in Washington, by the way, it would not shock me that if there's any kind of failure in Washington, Eric Bieniemy is the next head football coach in Washington. You watch. If Ron doesn't win this year, Bieniemy is the new head coach in Washington. He's being brought in for that exact reason. Now, he was brought in by prior management. Well, Harris had that same mentality with Eric Bieniemy and that same vision. Or will the new owner, after July 20th, will, will he want to go in a different direction? See, to me, I believe that Bieniemy was brought in to be the head coach. Okay? Tone goes, I admit the... I overlooked the stability that Rivera worked, walked into and it's and still deals with. Yeah, look what he's dealing with now because now, Tone, you got to figure what's the new ownership want. Ron's a good coach. Took the Panthers to the Super Bowl. He knows what he's doing. He's a better, I think, Ron's a good head coach, not spectacular, okay? He's a great D coordinator. Fantastic D coordinator. Okay, but all the things that he had to go through. I mean, who do you go to when you need a player? Who do you go to when your owner is unapproachable? Who do you go to when you've got an owner who's dealing with a former president and emails about racist communications that were going on in your organization and you were being accused of using the Washington cheerleaders as prostitutes for advertisers. How do you deal with that? And Ron won a division title and has continued to build the team into a good place. Washington's still not a destination to go if you're a free agent. I don't think. I, I just don't. I, I, and I don't have any kind of hope that Josh Harris brings any kind of winning to the thing. He has it in Philly. Hey, by the way, did, is it true that he owns the... Um, New Jersey Devils, dude, the New Jersey Devils, they haven't been the same since Lou Lamorello left. That's, that's not Scott Stevens' um, New Jersey Devils. I mean, look at the franchises he owns. They're money ma they're money makers for him. When I look at the Devils, is that Lou Lamorello's? Okay, when Claude Lemieux and those guys played there? Right? I mean, do, do you see that kind of franchise there? No, I don't. I think Lamorello, where is he now? Toronto? It's no coincidence that Toronto now has turned around. Lou Lamorello was the Devils. And he didn't think he was good enough. So he fired him. Or he resigned. I forget what Lou did. Th then, you, then you got the chaos going on with the Sixers. 
The Devils are the Flyers' rival. He cares nothing for Philadelphia. The teams are just assets in a portfolio to him. I think he's a pathetic owner. He's a pathetic owner. And anybody who's sitting around talking Sixer basketball right now is a joke. You don't get my time until you put the time in. And if you know what? Like, again, this is why I can't do radio in Philly because I would never talk about them people. Because the fans, if the fans don't give a shit, why do I? Why? Because it's seasonal? Kiss my ass. You don't deserve my airtime. Until you start doing the right thing. I'll, you're going to have to trust my process. Okay? You know what my process is? You build it, we will come. Not, we'll come if you build it. Okay? I don't give people time who don't care. Josh Harris and the Sixers? Dude, turn on WIP or the Fanatic and they're talking about that stupid draft last night and what the Sixers did or didn't. Why? What did they deserve your airtime for? But see, then your your boss comes in and tells you you got to talk about them. It's not really genuine. That's why you don't have genuine radio anymore. Who in their right mind would talk about something that's such a failure? Hey, let's let's talk about the Sixers. Why? Why would the Flyers get my time? Ed Snyder must go. And 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 the big rink in the sky must go, Jesus Criminy. <laughs> Dude, so let me so here, this coming season this year, let me ask you how he's gonna do this. Hey, Tone, everyone, come on out to Sixer game. We got season tickets for all you Philadelphia sports fans. We're building the best basketball team in Sixer history. Then he turns around. Hey, Washington, D.C. I am the owner of the Washington things. I am going to be an owner that's going to build a community team for you. This guy sounds like a politician that lies out of both sides of his mouth. And you cover that fairly. Why would I cover those two teams fairly when you don't treat your fan bases fairly? You're a liar. Hey, dude, I'll say this to you. If the Sixers were NBA champions or made the Eastern Conference Finals and, right, Tone? They got beaten six games in the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals and Washington or the Devils, those teams were like, so does he, he turns around and goes like this. Hey, New Jersey fans, the great history of the Devils, Scott Stevens, all the great players, Claude Lemieux that played here. Are not who played here. All the great guys, man, I'm here for you. So he lies to three different cities and three different fan bases on a daily basis. 
the NHL fan in the New York, New Jersey area, the D.C. area, and the Philadelphia area, two areas where you can't bullshit anyone and they see right through you immediately. That guy must be from Mars. He, he must be from Mars. I can't tell you how diverse those three areas of the country are. Dude, Philadelphia is like a sandbox. The Philly fan base is like a sandbox. And no one likes shit in their sandbox. DC's the same way. That's their sandbox. There's all these little sandboxes up the east. Boston. Then you got the stupid shit with New York. It's everywhere. Jersey. Jersey hates New York. Jersey hates Philly. And see, when you're not like from that area or you're not like, you you don't understand, dog. 20 miles matters. Hey, dude, hey, am I right, Tone? Going over the bridge matters. I'm from there. That's why when, when when people went like this, when the Chargers moved to L.A., people went like this. Well, you know, it's only an hour away. Well, my neck of the woods, you could be two minutes away. <laughs> it would matter. Okay? It would, it would matter if it was two minutes away. An hour and a half? Like the, like the, the NFL was like, it's, it's San Diego and Los Angeles. What's the difference? Oh, that just shows you you have no clue what you're talking about. San Diego and L.A. are completely different. San Diego can't stand L.A., but they don't give a shit about that. They'll just wait for you to die and a new generation rolls in. (laughs) Josh Harris. Talking NBA draft. Never in a million years. I'd rather talk about I, I, seriously, I'd rather talk about a hot dog eating contest than talk about the Sixers and their incredible meltdowns. It's a decade of meltdowns. Hey, get this. Trading Embiid, Tobias hit. What? Why? Would it matter? This is why, now you see why Big Sills scares folks. Because that's how I do sports. You've got to earn my trust. Because the people that watch me on a daily basis and listen to me over the years, I, I, I give my viewers and listeners what they want, not what you want. Not... <laughs> And not because we're now in the summer. So we must have to talk Phillies. Hey, the Phillies, the Phillies are okay. I like Dave Dombrowski. I know Dave long time. I know he's trying to do it. But here's the problem I've said to you about your, your, your Phillies. You'll never be consistently good until you fix your minor league system. That's why the Braves dominate you. That's why the Braves are the best team in the in the NL East every year. Why? Because they invest in the right thing, pitching. They don't give a shit about positional players. 
Look what they did with the MVP two years ago. They shipped him to Los Angeles. It doesn't matter, does it? They've always believed that. They don't care about positional players like Bryce Harper, like the Phillies do. They care about pit. You know what shocks me? Dave Dombrowski built the Marlins with Larry Beinfest. And it was all about starting pitching. A.J. Burnett's, them dudes. And, and now it's about position players. Do you know what position players in baseball do for you? They bullshit the fans. Position stars like Harper bullshit you. You're not going to win unless you have pitching. Royals a couple years ago, the most boring team in baseball history, won the World Series. So you mean to tell me that that team in Kansas City won the World Series? The Brewers have been great because of pitching. Come on, man. It's not that hard. But at least the Phillies try to do, try to win. They got to the series a year ago. But it's no shocker that they're not having a great year this year because they're not built for it. Bryce is having a power outage. Hey, you know what's funny? I saw somebody on IP put like numbers together and showed you how Manny Machado and Bryce Harper have almost identical numbers when it comes to the kind of, I think they were even drafted in the same draft, if I'm not mistaken. Both guys taken in the first round. You know, the difference between Machado and Bryce Harper? He owns a glove. And he's a he's a gold glover. Brooks Robinson said a couple years ago that Manny Machado might just be the greatest Oriole of all time at third base. And that's coming from a guy who won 18 gold gloves. He is spectacular as a fielder. I mean, I think him and Nolan Arenado, I think Arenado's numbers are blown up because a lot of them were up at Coors Field. Manny's a spectacular player. Yeah, but Yale, get this. Harper's got a hit because he can't field. He's never been looked at as a defensive guy. Machado's arguably the best third baseman in the game. Him and Arenado are the best third base gloves we have in baseball. Come on, man. It's Sixers. <laughs> NBA draft. Dude, you can't be dumber to talk about a team that doesn't give a shit about you and nor the owner. I don't get that. I don't mean to rant like that on you. But do you think Josh Harris really gives a shit about the Philadelphia sports fan? He cares you buy tickets. He doesn't want to, putting a good product on the court for you. Never trade him bead. Because you know why? He's a bullshit artist, which means this. Well, we got him bead. He turns the turnstiles. The, the, the teams in Philadelphia right now, you got two dudes that turn turnstiles and not winning. Phillies and Sixers. If you took those two teams off, if you took those two dudes off those two teams, no one would go to games. You're not winning. You took those two guys off the teams. No one would go. No one would go. You took Jalen Hurts off the Eagles. 
you'd have 70,000 fans at Lincoln Financial, whether Jalen's there or not, because they trust that organization to get it right, because they have. That's who you cover. That's why somebody always goes, hey, Sills, National Football Show. Yeah, because, you know, 90% of my content is Eagles. Why wouldn't it be? They win. I cover winners. Hour number three, we're going to reset. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles God save the queen 
<laughs> God save the queen. I think I'm going to tag out from that. Usually I say shit like, um, um, you know, catch you on the flip side. I think I'm going to go God save the queen. <laughs> Holy cow. Hey, by the way, I didn't get a chance to have my kind of version of the big sales ESPYs. Um, I'm going to do the God save the queen. <laughs> hey, from now on, anytime you guys get on my shit, God save the queen. <laughs> oh, man. God save the queen. <laughs> what? <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Uh, Brian, you're not going to take me down to one of them rabbit holes that I see you guys setting me up for so that you think you could just, no, no, no. Only James and Tone can do that to me. <laughs> They're the only ones that set me up good. Other than that, no one has that autonomy. Nobody does. God save the queen. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh man. Hey, seriously, I'm, I I don't know, man. I'm debating should I end my show? Should I end my show on that? God save the queen. <laughs> What's your thoughts on Morrow? How about this, Brian? Who? <laughs> Where's he play? Never heard of him. Yeah. Uh, who? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Hey man, I tell you what, I got it. I got hey, I got to hand it though to um to Nick Wright coming on the air in Philadelphia and saying Jalen Hurts is not is it, 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 he's not an elite guy. I'm not sold. I'm not sold. Hey, wait a minute. This is when you know it's contrived. Okay. He, it's, it's one thing to go like this and how I say it. Look, he's not an elite guy yet. He's a dominant. And, and look, Joe, Joe, Joe Theismann has a different opinion of that than what, and I, and I saw you guys saying the same thing. I think when we're talking about elite, I think it's too, I think everybody's has their own definition of elite and what it means. I love what a guy James said. He's the dominant football player in becoming elite. And I'm, I'm told, I totally subscribe to that. Okay, because my definition, again, is different than Joe's, obviously. And I think, you know what? And some of you guys have a different definition. Of, yeah, you see a guy one time and you look at him and you go, he's an elite guy. He, or he's an elite coach or a hockey player or baseball, what have you. Okay? So I think it's really in the eye of how you see, th how you see things. All right. Um, but for Nick Wright to go, I'm not sold. That's not something I'm not saying. I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts. Okay. It's one thing if the guy here, <clears throat> let's let, let's do this on Josh Allen for a second. Are you now sold that Josh Allen is going to continue to progress in the Upward swing, and do you think he's going to deliver a Super Bowl? 
I'll tell you what, a year ago, I was more confident in that comment. This year, I'm doing this. Well, yeah, I think. Here's my opinion on Hurts. You think Jalen gets back to that game? Organization, putting players around him, continuing to work hard. He's smart. All those... All those T's are crossed and I's are done. Yeah. I have more confidence. I think that's a great topic. So you think Burrow gets back to a Super Bowl? Are the Bengals good enough as an organization to get back? Is Burrow? Yes. But are the Bengals good enough as an organization? Here, wouldn't we agree with this? about Joe Burrow, are the Bengals good enough to be the Eagles as front office people to keep that train going around Joe Burrow like they are with Jalen? I can't answer that. You feel me, Tone? Do you think the Bengals are going to continue to build around them when they have shown no history of building around quarterbacks and building stability in an organization. They couldn't do it around Marvin Lewis. But I'm, I'm supposed to sit here and believe that Cincinnati, because they got an elite guy, I'm supposed to believe that Cincinnati is going to continue to act like the Eagles and put great players around him and put great coaches around him continue to build the defense? I don't know about that. So who do you have more of a... Do you think Burrow gets to a Super Bowl again? I do. But the front office frightens me. So who has a better chance of getting back to the Super Bowl? Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts? Why Why? why am I leaning to Hurts? Because everything around him is perfect almost. Do I think now Buffalo just extended the coach and the GM? Okay. They should. Being a McDermott get extended, I think, 2027. Okay. Are they going to continue to give him better coaching and put the players around him? Who has a better chance to get to the Super Bowl? Again, or wait, he hasn't been. Hurts or Allen? You start going, look at this. You're starting to knock him down a bit here. So at the end of the day, maybe the only guy that has the ability to have stability is Mahomes and Hurts. Like, the Jets are acting like a good franchise. Joe Douglas has done a great job there. Joe Douglas has done a great job. Learned his trade, obviously, in Philly. Okay? Senior, but hey, watch this. Am am, am I wrong? I mean, this all still has to have the organization 
part of the conversation here. You just can't go like this. Hey, is Joe Burrow going back to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Uh, he's a great player. But do you really trust Mike Brown? I don't. Who do you trust more, Mike Brown, Duke Tobin, or Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie? I don't even, we don't even, you don't have to even answer that. It's a team sport. We're not talking about boxing here or tennis. Okay. Guy goes, come on, man. Well, how about this? Do you trust the Dallas Cowboys to get back to a Super Bowl? I don't. Why wouldn't the NFL love to have Hertz as the face of the NFL franchise? It's a great question. Can Hertz ever be the face of the National Football League? I don't think he's spectacular enough in how he wins games. Shit, man. There was a notion out there for a while that people thought that Peyton Manning was the better quarterback than Tom Brady. Tom Brady was so boring. Was Brady ever the face of the league? I guess so. I think after five Super Bowls, all those conversations about him and Manning went away. But Brady was so boring in New England. Did you ever really do this? Hey, man. Like Tom Brady's legacy and presence grew as he got older. In his prime, he was never the face of the NFL. It was Peyton Manning. Manning, because of the name, the way through the ball, all of that, in my opinion, I thought Peyton Manning had a better personality. Alexander go, dude, I think Brady and Hurts have a lot in common. They're just not flashy. Hey, check down offense is not flashy. Chucking that thing down the field is flashy. Now, eventually what happens to guys like Brady, your presence and your legacy supersede all the rest of that bullshit where people have to surrender. You know, there's still people today that won't surrender that Brady's the greatest NFL player of all time. They just won't. That guy, Mike Francesa, still says that Peyton Manning's a better quarterback than Tom Brady. And it's laughable. Brady never had the talent around him that Peyton had in his career, ever. He never had the stability around him the same way Manning did. Are you trying to tell me Amendola and Edelman were better players than Wayne and Harrison? It's a joke. Or Marshall Falk or Edgerin James? Do you actually believe that? If you do, you're just a Brady hater. But, but Brady wasn't, he wasn't flashy. After a while, it just was, you couldn't deny it anymore. Like, like Jalen Hurts becoming the face of the league. Jalen Hurts' best chances of becoming the face of the league will be something like five or, dude, Mahomes, Mahomes is in a dynasty right now. Okay, he 
the Kansas City Chiefs are a dynasty. Five straight AFC championship appearances, two Super Bowl wins, three AFC titles. That's the beginning of a dynasty. They're just at the beginning part of this. The question will be how long does Andy Reid continue to go into this? But to me, this is starting to look a little bit, I don't know about you, Yale, but to me, this is starting to look a little bit more like the 49er dynasty um, and what the 49ers did with, with Bill Walsh and then at the back end of that with George Seifert. This, this, this kind of looks like the 49er dynasty where this is probably going to be like a 12-year deal. And I could see him winning. I'll tell you what, I, I, I could see Mahomes winning two more and having four and being in the room with Bradshaw and Montana. Okay, and then you can debate because of constant turnover and salary cap. Uh, not, not that Brady didn't reside in that same too because he played almost in his entire career. He did play his entire career in a salary cap, salary cap era. And there just weren't stars. Mahomes has a lot of things that look like Tom Brady. There's nobody really in that building outside the tight end. That's been worth the shit. Tyree Kill was an undisciplined wide receiver, and Kansas City got rid of his ass. They're a better franchise for it now. It's got to kill him, Tyree Kill, that he's not part of that dynasty. And it's, it's why he throws jabs at him. Can you imagine telling the guy in Miami, I don't need you? Okay. Imagine telling them, I don't, we don't need you, dude. Go down to Miami, collect your money, collect your stats, because that's what you wanted to do in Kansas City. They weren't going to let him do that in Kansas City. You know, he says he wants to go for 2,000 yards this year. Well, you're not going for 2,000 yards in Kansas City because they're spreading the ball around. They're going to win games by being systematic and matchups. And that's what the Eagles do. The, isn't it funny? that the Philadelphia Eagle coach who's now in Kansas city has almost the same type of mentality that Jalen hurts is now being reared in, in Philly. And they're the two best teams in the league. I mean, I, do you think there's a coincidence to this? Do you, do you think there's a coincidence that the guy in Kansas city, where do you think he learned that now? Could he have learned that from Mike Holmgren a bit up in Green Bay and with the 49ers? Because look, look, I mean, look, look at who he's worked with. Worked with the 49ers, Green Bay, and then he goes to Philadelphia. So he's been around really great winning. I'm talking Andy Reid. He's been around a lot. Dan Eagles have 30 playoff wins since 2000. No, they do not. You have 16 the Patriots have 30 wins since 2000. Okay? Philly four, for four, no. The Patriots have 30 wins since 2000 in the postseason. The Eagles are second at 16 with the Ravens. It's not true. Um. That's the difference between the Eagles... 
don't have a problem spreading the ball around. That's what makes Smith a great teammate. Danny, that's the thing that keeps that's the thing that keeps AJ Brown at bay and not going overboard. Okay. That keeps them over, that keeps him grounded. It's because Smith is such a pro. Okay? It keeps him, it keeps him uh, it keeps him grounded. Devontae Smith is such a key component to that offense. You know, you know, I didn't realize how important he is. Like, who's the most important guy in that Eagle offense outside the quarterback, you think? When it comes to the skilled players, who's the most important player? Hmm. Not named Jalen Hurts. Who is the most important offensive player? I, 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 man, I never thought of that. Who is the most important skilled position player not named Hertz? Is it Devontae Smith? Man, for a guy that I didn't like when I first started talking sports, and the things that he's doing and his character and his being and who he is. I got to tell you, man, I think, I, 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 I think he is. You need both. I got to say, I, I, I like Devontae Smith a lot. I do. I think I, I think he's the glue outside of Jalen. And you know what's too? We talked about this the other day. Both those guys have the same kind of personality, too, which is crazy great. All right. Let's go here now. So the ESPYs came out with, I think, two Philly guys are up for um, consideration. For SBs, most important right now, got to go A.J. Brown. Most important in the long term is Devontae. Tone, would you agree that Devontae's had more impact on A.J. Brown than A.J. Brown's had impact on Devontae? There's no question. And, and watch this. And A.J. Brown has had impact on Jalen Hurts. Can, can can we go that tree that Devontae has impacted the preparation of A.J. Brown and Jalen's benefited from having A.J. on the team more so than vice versa? Could it, is that can you can you go there with that? I mean, because to me, 
A.J. Brown's a better prepared player. And I think he's a better coach player in Philly than he was in Tennessee. They didn't know. I Personally, I don't think Tennessee really knew what they had. He was underutilized in Tennessee. That's why that GM lost his job. Because when they went, dude, it had to be. That guy Peterson had to lose his job when, when people were going, fuck, man. This guy's killing it. This guy's killing it. Right? AJ, hey, dude, I'm not saying AJ's, dude, AJ Brown. AJ, AJ Brown is spectacular. Smitty gets himself open. Yeah, watch this. AJ Brown gets himself open because he's physical. Smitty gets himself open because he's better prepared and he's more technically sound. Okay. Okay. Well, and 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 Senor, those three touchdowns, I, I I believe they looked at AJ Brown and didn't know what they had. And see, isn't this this goes back to Howie? Boy, you guys are great. So wait a minute here. Arizona and Carolina didn't know what they had in Reddick, and Tennessee didn't know what they had in AJ Brown. And the Eagles pulled out the best of them. And got the best out of them. Man, that's another merit badge for the organization. Dude, absolutely, Tone. I completely agree. Smitty's unwavering discipline and professionalism definitely rubbed off on Brown. So think about that. The organization maximized Hassan Reddick to the best of his ability. And A.J. Brown was utilized more in Philly than he ever was. How about this? He was utilized more in Philly in one year than in his previous three, I think it's three, in Tennessee. Some would go, well, they had Derrick Henry. Oh, wait a minute. You don't win a ball game with one dude. You got to win with a team effort. And if maybe you utilized A.J. Brown more, Derrick Henry may have went for 2,500 yards in Tennessee instead of giving them 378 carries a year. Okay? No, they knew what Brown had, just had a different philosophy, Sills, Twist says. Yeah, but that's fig- but but that's figuring it out. Hey, I'll tell you this, Twist, the first the, the first eight games, I didn't think they figured it out with Reddick. And, and the narrative with Reddick was this. Why is this guy on a third team? He's a double-digit sack guy. He's on his third team in three years. That's a player thing. If organizations organizations don't give up on what, what Tone calls premium positions, nobody can – dude, if you put Hassan Reddick on the open market today – wait a minute. Hassan Reddick could have signed anywhere a couple of years ago. It could have signed anywhere. 12, 13 million dollars, double digits that guy, probably somewhere in 13 to 15 million. You put Hassan Reddick on the market now, he's a 25 million dollar guy, maybe. I mean, he's 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 a 20 million dollar he's 15 now. You mean to tell me somebody wouldn't overpay five million bucks for the guy? He's a 20 million dollar guy. Like He'd have 30 teams lining up for him. 
You'd have you'd have thirty teams trying to sign that guy, and the Eagles were able to maximize and figure it out. Good for him, man. Again, another testament on how. Hey, let's do this before I get to some fun here. can't believe how positive I'm talking about the Eagles here. Um, there is more confidence going. There's more confidence going into this. And I had them going to the Super Bowl a year ago. I think there's more confidence with the Eagles going into 2023 than there was going in the last year. How can that be when you've lost five of your top tacklers and numerous players on defense that you have to rely on? A Pro Bowl-type guard, 1,300 yards. Think of that. So you lost a Pro Bowl guard, a Pro Bowl running back, a Pro Bowl-type slot corner, two linebackers that are over 200 and 60-some-odd tackles. And you're more confident going in? I I think they are. And, right, Brian, and you lost your coordinators. Are you more con- – hey, do you think you're more comfortable and more confident going into 2023? With all those people gone, do you feel more comfortable – and more confident in this team than last year's team. As a fan, I mean, and look, like I said, top five tacklers, a Pro Bowl guard, a Pro Bowl back, coordinators gone, a $20 million DT gone, an $8 million slot safety gone. And you feel more comfortable? I do. It's crazy. Look, there, there's, I think it's a different conversation when we're talking about question marks. Okay. I, I, I think there's more question marks. But as, as an organization, I, I, if I were sitting on a stool at the Novacare Center and somebody came to me and goes, how do you feel about this year? I'd be like, like I did a year ago. Or maybe even better. I, I I think we've learned a lot. I think our experience from a year ago, we got leadership in the locker room here. The quarterback's getting better. Organization has proven that they hired the right coaches and make the right moves. They've done it for 25 years. Um, why wouldn't I think we're going to be in another position to win another NFC East? That's how I would answer that's how I would answer me asking a question. Seals, how do you feel about this year coming up with the Eagles? Say I played DT, I'd be like, um, great. This organization's had an unbelievable and, – and listening to Kelsey talk, you know, I see why he has that confidence because why, why wouldn't he think that they're going to be the same team that they were a year ago? You know why? He has tremendous confidence – 
and how the organization operates. And I'll tell you something that I heard again on a soundbite today. Tony did a great job today with, with the guys. Jody Mack was filling in. Oh, he, uh, another Philly legend. Um, and and, and it, when you listen to Kelsey talking about Cam Jurgens and him being part of the procedure and evaluation of Cam Jurgens, and then you hear the way Kelsey talks. So listen to what they listen how he how he said this. And by the way, one thing that I'll say, the reason that Jason Kelsey can talk the way he talks, he's one of the one percent of the one percenters of the one percenters of the one percenters. And you know what that means? He's going to get to call his last putt. And what I mean by that is. You're told when to quit the NFL. 99.9% of the players in this league are told when to quit. Jason Kelsey's going to get to call his own shot. Quarterbacks get to call their own shot. Not old linemen. Not old linemen. You're thrown out of the league. You're, 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 you don't get to call your own putt. Okay. Nobody gets to call their shot. And he talks. And you hear people go, you know, the one thing he'll make, dude, people knock on your door at training camp when you don't have anything left. And they say this to you, bring your playbook. Everyone who's played in this league has had the knock from the Turk. Bring your playbook. Jason Kelsey gets to not have that happen. That's rarefied air that you're in, okay? That's rarefied air. Yeah, well, Greasy, I just said that. Quarterbacks get to do that. Okay? O-linemen don't. But when you hear Kelsey here talking like this, yeah, I was part of the evaluation. So that means this must have went down. Jeff Stoutland must have went to him and said, hey, how many years we got here? Are we on a year-to-year basis? Dude, do you know how the frank conversations that you can have with a player like Jason Kelsey or Lane Johnson or even, even a young Jalen Hurts? I think the influence of Jason Kelsey – I think Jason Kelsey keeps coming back because he enjoys playing with Hurts, too. I think there's some of that. You're blocking for a guy who's becoming something, and you don't really want to leave it. You want to be part of that still. So, like, think about think how this had to have gone down with Cam Jurgens. I know some of you just think it's some sort of innocuous, it's not a big deal. But as a player, man. Jason Kelsey's got a lot of power in the Eagle organization. And here's why. So let me get this right. Jeff Stoutland must have went to him first. How many years you got? I don't know. Two, three, maybe tops three. This was two years ago. Maybe three. Okay. I want you to find the replacement for you. It empowers the player. It gives you a sense of entitlement. But they knew he could handle that entitlement. 
just by the way he talks, be part of the future or be part of its history. That's a, and he used that power the, the way the Eagles, I think, thought he would. Just listening to him say that, man. So then Stoutling goes to Howie and Nick and goes, hey, me and uh, Kelsey are going to find a replacement for him. Must <laughs> Howie Rosen must have went, okay. General manager's got to go, okay, because that's his neck of the woods. Remember Doug dipping his beak into Howie's well? Well, now you have assistant coaches that Howie's brought in and he trusts and a player that he trusts going through a process that's his in evaluating a player. And so Kelsey's going through tape after tape with Stoutland. He sees this kid, Cam Jurgens. What's he, a Nebraska kid? I think he's a Nebraska guy. And so he knows that he's a strong kid. Programs always produce strong guys all the way back to Dave Remington. So he knows that there's a history of old linemen coming out of that joint. So he knows that Nebraska's blown, but they still have a fundamental of producing athletic big guys. So that had to be a formula for him. Watches him play, talks to him, probably had a couple conversations with him. They, 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 then you watch him on film. Then you draft him. Then Kelsey's now part of the front office. Kelsey's going to be in the front office. I don't think he's going to be an O-line coach. Maybe one day he takes over for Stoutland. And that's your offensive line coach. Because how many people could see him being part of the organization for the next 15 years? And being like an assistant offensive line coach. Hey, dude, if I'm going to be an assistant offensive line coach to somebody, it's going to be Jeff Stoutland. And then he becomes part of the process of, of, of looking at guys like Lane Johnson, having played with Lane Johnson, ha ha having played with some of the best offensive linemen in the history of the franchise. Look at Neil. Isn't that one thing that that organization has proven time and time again? that they like to have natural fits and seamless transitions, right? Dude, the whole Hurts-Wentz thing was bumpy. Maybe the bumpiest ride they had. The ride with Chip was bumpy. Right now, there's nothing bumpy going on. Even the coordinator changes have not been bumpy. Well, Gannon caused friction wasn't anything the Eagles did. It was Gannon who jumped the who jumped the guardrail. Dan, who wins the NFC? Dude, until you're 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 the king until someone knocks you off. That's how I look at it. Okay. I still think they're the team, they're the team to beat, dude. I mean, Dallas? Absolutely not, man. Now Dallas gets to the NFC title game. Remember what we talked about yesterday with the Marcus Lawrence, what he said? Or Dexter Lawrence, I mean, what he said? Then it's a different thing because it's a matchup issue. But if Dallas hasn't been to a conference title game in 28 years, why am I to believe in 2023 that changes? 
Why would I believe that? Help me out on that. This just doesn't make sense that I would sit there and do that and go, yo, no, I hear you. <laughs> Warm and fuzzy. Well, Michael, you already, Michael, you already know this. Dude, here, the, the difference between Green Bay and Philadelphia is that you have an owner they don't. Nobody is held accountable for the bullshit like Josh Harris. Josh Harris doesn't give a shit about accountability. How can you have ownership in three different cities with three completely different fan bases and the mentality of all three of those fan bases and try to tell me you're trying to build a winner? There's not a chance in hell. The only thing you're trying to build is wealth. Do you know that Josh Harris is brilliant at building wealth? He's not brilliant at all at building community civic pride teams. There's no civic pride in the Sixers except from its fan base. And he carpet bags off of that. That's not genuine. It's just not genuine. So you don't buy that. You you can't. That dude, that's a chuck. I love that. Dallas is fool's gold. You know, you dig it up, you think you got a bar of gold. Great regular season. I go to the golden diamond source. Guy goes, it's pyrite. It's fool's gold. Lions going to be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and let me guess, they're going to beat the Niners with one play, Trey. Trey Lance, baby. <laughs> third team, hey, third team Trey. Is that right, Niner? That's what, that's, hey, you know what? That's what Trey Lance's new nickname is, Pyrite. <laughs> Pyrite Lance. That's his new name, Pyrite Lance. <laughs> Who's the quarterback of the 49ers? It's Pyrite. <laughs> Pyrite. Lions and Jets. Two of the worst franchises in the last 25 years. The 25. Like I said, the Jets haven't been decent since Armstrong landed on the moon. <laughs> hey, can you imagine that? The Jets are now talking about the Super Bowl, and they haven't been decent since Armstrong was on the moon. I, I Hey. <laughs> okay? I mean, hey, how? when's the last time they were good? Well, you know, Neil Armstrong went up. Like, uh, you know, to the moon. And and he went up. What year was that? That was 1969. 1969? That's the last time that the Jets were good? Yeah, Armstrong was on the moon. Michael Collins was circling it, remember? And old Buzz was sitting there, you know, him and Neil. You know, let's remember the moon rocks and Tang and shit like that. Way, way, way too old for you, uh, Tone, but 
used to be a big deal, TV dinners and Tang. And I wanted he, I wanted both of them because the, the astronauts had it. And I saw Joe Namath with Tang. And I was like, oh, okay, shit, Armstrong and Tang. Armstrong and Namath. Must be good. <laughs> right? That's a, yeah, the last time, man, that the Jets were good. Neil Armstrong was on the moon. <laughs> All right, let me, hey, hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Thanks, Stills! Hope all have a great weekend. Um, I'll do the Heisman stuff next week. I got, a, I got an All-American team that I put together. You guys 
probably don't care about that. We'll do that a little bit next week. We're not going to do that now. But I did do something because I wanted to honor the ESPYs a little bit. And so what I did do was I did an Eagle Big Sills Awards. And I did Big Sills Awards NFL-wise. You know, I, I Embiid and I think Jalen are up for the best basketball player and the best football player. So I did an Eagle one and I did an NFL one. The best offensive player. The best offensive player on the Eagles was who last year? Who was the best offensive player? Be careful how you answer this. You think Jalen Hurts had a better year than Lane Johnson? You think Jalen Hurts had a better year than A.J. Brown? You think Jalen had a better year than Jason Kelsey? Those guys are first-team All-Pro. Who was the best offensive player on the Eagles in 2022? I think this is tougher than you think. Joshua, I, I agree. Lane is considered by many to be the best tackle offensively in the National Football League. Kelsey had an all-pro year and going to the Hall of Fame. Hertz finished second in the MVP award. A.J. Brown broke records. Had a great year. I don't think he broke a record for most yards in a season. I don't believe he did that. I may be wrong. I, I, I don't think he had. I don't think he had the most yardage for an eagle receiver. Who would you pick? Sanders had thirteen hundred yards. Look, he had eleven touchdowns. He had a great year. Who is the best? Who had the best offensive season? I think it's close. I still have to go Jalen. I still have to go Jalen. Brown broke Eagles record for most yards in a season. Smitty broke it for receptions. Wow. I still have to go Hertz. With all those great performances. Still have to go. Still have to go Hertz. The best defensive performance. Oh, wait. Nationally, no disrespect to Jalen, but Patrick Mahomes is the best offensive player in the NFL. Broke records in the NFL for most yardage and touchdowns. Super Bowl MVP, regular season MVP, Super Bowl win. Uh, there's, 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 I mean, Jefferson had a great year. Um, Tyree Kill had a great year. I, 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 Josh Jacobs had a great year, but it's just, it's too much. It's Mahomes. The best defensive player 
and best defensive performance on the Eagles. Who had the best performance on that team? Reddick, Gardner Johnson, Javon Hardgrave, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham. Who is the most impactful player? It's totally Hassan Reddick. And, 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 and the destruction he had of the quarterback in the NFC title game has to be Reddick. And I would say Hardgrave is second and Gardner Johnson is third. That's how I would go down the list there. The best NFL performance by a defensive player. This is honor of the SPs, this is Big Sills Awards here. Man, I am never going to give that thing to Michael Parsons unless he proves to me he can play every game. Um, I like that Max Crosby kid. I think Miles Garrett, I think he was underappreciated a year ago. He's such a good football player. And I agree with Tone. He's a, he, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like when the names come to me and I'll be asked on, on a panel, if Miles Garrett's a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion, he's a first ballot guy. I mean, I like him more than TJ Watt as a Hall of Fame player. I think TJ probably gets in, but um, yeah, I I think Aaron Donald was overrated last year. How can a guy miss all those games? Hardgrave doesn't make the All Pro team, but Donald does. And he missed half the season almost. The best defensive performance is Boza, Nick. Um, was it 16, 17 sacks? He had played the run exceptionally well. They were number one in the NFL against the run. Um, 77.7 yards per game they gave up against the run. They dominated as a run defense. And when you're when you're a three-down guy like that as an edge rusher and you're dominant at the point of attack when it comes to stopping the run, you're hard to handle. Nick Bose is hard to handle. Okay. Bosa was not invisible. You know, they took a sack away from him. He had a tackle behind the line of scrimmage against lane. You must've forgot that. And they made it a TFL instead of a sack. And once again, I don't care what you say. They held you to 260 yards in offense. There was no juggernaut offense. 31-7. I know. Short fields will do that in turnovers. Your defense won the NFC title game for you. The best coaching performance by an Eagle. Who was it? I don't particularly think this is close. Jeff Stoutland is the best coach on the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff. Okay. He's the best coach. He was the most dominant coach. He was an absolute pleasure to watch his unit play last year. Jeff Stoutland, in my opinion, 
was the coach of the year for the Eagles. NFL best coach. I gave it to Andy Reid. Why? Well, you lost the best deep threat in the game. You have the lesser team than any of the teams compared to the Bills, Bengals. And it didn't matter. You did your best coaching job in the second half. You were almost perfect in how your play calling was and how you were doing your crossing routes. And for the first time since I've been watching you, I thought it was your absolute best at managing the clock. This, You know, I, I always kind of thought he was a little like Mike Martz a little bit in how he didn't see timeouts and his clock management. I, I thought that was the best, best Andy Reid version I've ever seen. He was really great, it, especially in the second half. Okay, I I thought he was, I thought he was just just absolutely great. Now, because you guys didn't have a lot of rookies that had any impact at all on your team, I said first year player. Tone, help me out on this one. Who had the best first year as an Eagle? Hassan Reddick or AJ Brown? Tough question. Who had the biggest impact as a first-year Eagle on the organization? A.J. Brown or Hassan? C.J.'s third to me. Probably going to go A.J. Brown. Very close, though. Reddick was a force. Between those two guys, great first years. And rookie of the year, I'm going Sauce Gardner with the Jets. I think he was the rookie of the year. It's a tough one. 16 and a half sacks versus 1,400 yards. I have to go with AJ too, says Tone. I'm I'm with you, man. I'm I'm going. I'm going AJ too, man. What a tough question. Who had the best first year as an Eagle? We we may have to visit that a little more next week because that is a tough one, man. Hey, you guys have been great all week, man. We're 35 days or 34 days until the start of training camp. This is crazy great. Have a spectacular weekend. I love all you guys coming aboard, and we get to talk shit to one another here every day. I thank you guys again. Xander, Big Joe, thank you. Tone is doing a lot right now. <laughs> he, he, man, I'll tell you what, this guy here, and he puts a smile on. Every time I see Tone, he puts a smile on my face. Okay? Really a great dude. Keep it going, Tone. Thank you so much. God bless you and your family. We'll see you Monday going three to six. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you on the flip side.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.